0: Aloha. This will all make more sense as we continue. You'll notice that I've got this wonderful set of beads. This is from Danny Hunken, uh, who uh, knows about these types of things. And he actually is on sabbatical. It started this week. So sabbatical is something that on occasion, uh, especially those who serve in vocational ministry or a teaching and things like that, they'll take an extended period of time away. So, Danny is uh, our worship and arts pastor, is taking an extended uh, a sabbatical. Uh, he'll be back in September, but I am really excited uh, because over these coming weeks, not only is Danny going to get some uh, well needed rest, well deserved rest, uh, and enjoy himself and, and spend time on his, uh, his uh, marriage and family, but also we're going to benefit. Uh, from some of the amazing leaders, worship and arts leaders here at Desert Springs. Here at DSBC, we are all about equipping, empowering, and encouraging uh, people who follow after Jesus to step into their area of gifting in order to bless and serve others. And we were blessed today, weren't we, from our leaders as they led us in worship and arts today. So uh, thanks to Eden and the rest of the team, Uh, they practiced uh, over the last few weeks and and are blessing us with their gifting. We're going to have that over these coming weeks as we have some folks from DSBC that Danny's been investing in, coaching, training, who are going to be ministering to us in this way. Uh, Secondly, we are in the middle of our uh, summer series here at Desert Springs. In the back of the seat in front of you, you should be able to find a a schedule or schedule if you so prefer. Uh, We are uh, coming down to the last couple weeks. Next week, I wanted to tell you that we are doing water day. So if you've got kids, make sure you bring towels and uh, swimming suits and stuff, because after the service, they're going to hit up some uh, water games out on the lawn. And then on the 25th, uh, we're going to we're conclude our time uh, in the summer at DSBC on July 25th with our big breakfast. So we're going to have a bunch of great food. Uh, Chef Cliff and the crew are going to be preparing that for us. It's going to be amazing. And then we are pivoting back to our regular schedule uh, starting on the first Sunday in August, and, uh, and by that point in time, summer will be over, it'll be nice and cool outside, and we'll all enjoy uh, a wonderful time together. Also uh, on that card, you should have information on our dinner and game night, uh, which is on Thursday nights, and if you want to have a soul-crushing experience, I encourage you to come and play me in Catan. Catan. I will ruin your life, Jeff Wine. If you want to come play uh, Catan at dinner and game night, you'll have a nice meal and then you'll vomit it because I beat you so bad at Catan. Uh, But if you want to have a good time, come to dinner and game night and play some of the other games, but don't come to the Catan table because it'll be miserable for you. So you'll want, maybe someone's asking the question what's up with all the Hawaiian shirts? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. I actually, I, I need to confess. I need to take this off because it's making some noise up here. I, I do need to confess to you. Uh, 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 this would be surprising to you, but I've had some arrogance in my heart. Let's gasp. Uh, when I was growing up, if you were to, so this is like 80s and 90s. If you use the word cool pastor, which is a contradiction in terms, but if you use the word cool pastor, usually what you meant was a pastor who preached in Hawaiian shirts. So if anyone's from maybe the Saddleback tradition or the Calvary Chapel tradition, you guys know what I'm talking about. And so I was growing up in there, and because I was a teenager, I, 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 I said no. And then I became a pastor, much to everyone's surprise, my own included. And I swore, I'm never going to, it's so cliche, it's so lame, I'm never going to preach in a Hawaiian shirt. And here I am, almost 40 years old, severely balding, and I am what I grew up hating, and I don't know what to tell you about it, except I'm trying to repent and believe in the gospel. But the reason that I'm wearing this is not because I think Hawaiian shirts are cool. They definitively are not. In fact, I'm returning this to Amazon today after the sermon. (laughs) The reason that we're wearing this is because we're going to talk about what we just talked about in the video, and that is uh, the concept of, or the idea of, heaven. And there's this question that we ask all the time. I hear this. If, if you've been around kids for any period of time, and especially if they have, uh, um, are, are familiar with death, maybe they go to a funeral or something, one of the inevitable questions is uh, this question. Will you go to heaven when you die? I have people ask me that question frequently. Caleb, Pastor Caleb, uh, what do I need to do so I can go to heaven when I die? Some other of us uh, maybe we're, we we have conversation with our neighbors or friends, and they say, "I'm trying to live a good life so that I can go to heaven when I die." Have you guys ever heard this before? And I I'm I'm here just pastorally. I I, I want to argue from scripture, and I hope to convince you of this that that whole question is is based on uh, assumptions or ideas that are not found in the scriptures. In fact, I think that question comes from uh, a, a fiction or a common understanding. I mean, if you guys have ever seen, there's this old school cartoon, uh, Tom and Jerry. Did you guys ever see that? It's like, it's like, what is it? What's the premise? Like a cat chases a mouse. Is that the situation? And then inevitably, one of them dies. And then in the cartoon, you guys have maybe seen this before in cartoons, when one of them passes away, like a faded image of themselves, right? There's their corpse, a faded image of themselves kind of floats up, and inevitably, what's, what's going on back here? They sprout wings, and then what do they have in their hands? A harp, and they kind of ascend into the heavenlies. And I just want to say that that is not a biblical idea. Moreover, and I'm, I'm serious here, I've done, I've done many, many funerals, in fact, I, I, I hope this doesn't sound weird. I, I don't enjoy doing funerals, but I find a great deal of um, satisfaction in being able to minister. Many of you have been able to uh, walk through. I hate doing weddings because <laughs> I'm just an accessory, right? Like nobody cares about me. But at a funeral, you get to lean into the real questions of life, don't you? I mean, for this, just for this one moment, we're all gathered around, we're honoring the person who's deceased, and we're, we're having a conversation with ourselves. What happens? What, what am I going to leave behind? What's going to happen to me next? And, and inevitably, for some of us, we're going to ask the question, will I go to heaven when I die? And I, I just, if, if we have operating in our minds, sprouting wings, playing a harp, and floating up to the clouds, isn't that boring and also horrifying? Does anybody actually want that? Are you guys looking forward to harps? <laughs> Come now. Now, here's the deal. The reason I want to lean into this space is because what the Scripture teaches is so much more not only robust, but also peace-filled, joy-filled, and delightful. And I hope today is to argue from Scripture and to convince you not to ask this question anymore. So give me 30 minutes and let's see what we can do together, All right. Aloha. Aloha. There we go. The first thing we need to remember is that the story of the Bible, if you, if you were to break it, there's a bunch of different ways to break it down, but it basically goes like this. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you get creation, right? Genesis opens up so, so good. It opens up like this. In the beginning. What a great line, right? It's way better than a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Although that's the second... Right In the beginning, God. And then God creates humanity. He creates the cosmos. He orders the cosmos. And he creates the cosmos in such a way that he, uh, he will dwell with humanity on the earth. In fact, if you were to go back and read, which I think you should do. I think you should go back and read Genesis 1 and 2. You will notice that one of the things that happens is, that, that seemed to be a common practice, is that God would, d- would walk with humans upon the face of the earth. Like they would go for walks. God the creator uh, creates humanity in his image and then longs for a relationship with them. If you want to have a snapshot, an image of what that relationship looked like in creation, in the created order, what sometimes gets referred to as Eden. Have you guys ever heard of Eden? Garden of, anybody? Garden of Eden, okay. So God is dwelling with humanity in Eden. It's meant to be complete unity. But then humanity, as you saw in the video, give the finger to God. I love that image. A lot of us maybe get offended by that, but I want you to see that there is no strong enough, there's no language strong enough to define what rebellion against your maker is. So they give the finger to God, and of course this creates a rift between humanity and their creator. And so you have what's commonly referred to as the fall. And so God has a choice. Do I, so does God put on the Metallica album and kill them all. This is legit. Like that's an option, right? Isn't that an option for God? He could just be like reset. I mean, for those of you that play video games, if you've ever rage quitted, and you just unplug your video game system and turn everything off, you guys ever done that before? No need to confess right now, but confess, confess your sins to one another. Turn to the person next to you and said, "I've rage quit on Xbox." It's okay. So you pull the plug, right? You hit, you smash that power button. God could have done that. He could have rage quit. But thanks be to God that the Scripture doesn't end at the fall of humanity. And so, what God does is He takes on flesh, becomes one of us, lives the life that we were called to live, dies the death that was due us, and in His death, burial, and resurrection, He conquers over Satan's sin and death. He redeems and restores us. Though we were rebellious, though we had sinned against God, given him the finger, turning on our own way, Jesus, God in the flesh, calls out to us, turn, repent, turn, right? Have a change of mind. Turn and believe me. And here's the good news, friends, is that God is not, in redeeming us, God is not saying to us, do enough good work and then you get me. He says, you got me. By my grace, not by what you've done, not by where you've been. TV time out. I want you to hear me. I know that within our church family, there's so many folks who are still trying to figure out who Jesus is. And if that's you today, maybe this is the first time you stepped foot in a church building. You wondered if it was going to collapse in. It might. It's... It might, which makes today's question exceptionally much more relevant, don't you think? Might. I don't think it will you Are still trying to figure out who Jesus is? Listen, this this is the good news that Jesus came proclaiming. That though each one of us have fallen short of God's standard, each one of us have turned our backs on God, he comes in the flesh, dying in our place, rising from the grave, showing us that death is not the end, and then he calls out to anyone, 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 including you, turn and follow me. And do you know who Jesus says yes to? Anyone who wants Jesus. That's a beautiful thing about Jesus, is he says, yes, anyone who turns, anyone. And you know what? Here's the other thing, too. You might be able to hide your dirt from the people around you, but you have not hidden it from your maker. And he has given his life for you, knowing full well where you've been. And he calls out to you, turn and follow me. And this is redemption. This is the cross. This is why we sing to Jesus every week. And then Jesus, after rising from the grave, says this. One day I'm going to come back. So you guys, you guys who follow me, you go and tell everybody this good news. And then one day I'm coming back. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to restore Eden. Remember Eden? Eden? See, in Eden, it was God creating the cosmos, creating the earth, creating this garden in a place called Eden. By the way, the translation, um, I I love this translation because it sounds like a mixed drink. It's called Paradise of Delight. Right? Garden of Eden, another way to translate that is Paradise of Delight. God creates a Paradise of Delight to dwell with humanity. For how long? Yeah, for evs. And we rebelled, and then he restored, or excuse me, he redeemed, and now he promises to one day restore. Why would we ask the question, do I get to go to heaven when I die? Here's why. Because we haven't fully grasped the beauty of God's redemptive and restorative power. I'm going to push. I'm going to push. I'm coming into your living room. Here we go. All right. Let's go to the question. Will you go to heaven? First of all, what does the Bible say about heaven? Psalm one fifteen, fifteen through sixteen says this: "May you be blessed by the Lord, the Maker of what? Heaven and earth." TV timeout. What do we usually think the opposite of heaven is? Do you know that heaven and hell are never juxtaposed in the scriptures? At least upon my reading, it's always heaven and what? Heaven and earth. Right. So, so I just I. I, I Okay, here we go. Ready? So frequently, we think of heaven and hell and earth in the middle, and if you die and you're a good person, you go up, and if you die and you're a bad person, you go where? Down. But I want you to see that the biblical paradigm, the, biblical, the, the cosmology of the scripture, the, the idea of reality in the scripture is this, is that the opposite of heaven presently is what? Earth. But it didn't always used to be that way. Where was heaven in Eden? When, Like Genesis 1 and 2, talking about the Garden of Eden. Where was heaven? The two spheres were overlapped. And then when we gave God the finger, what happened? And then Jesus promises one day to come and restore what? The unity of heaven and earth. So they're not always opposite. They're just presently in a state of conflict. Okay, let's keep going. I'd like to prove it to you. Uh, maker of the heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has, given, uh, has been given to the human race. Okay, so in the biblical mind, they understand that there's the heavens and that there's the earth. And humans dwell in the earth, and God dwells in the heavens. But one day he'll be, uh, will be reunited. So I just, I want to maybe just pause for a minute. What do you think heaven actually is? And, and, and why do you think that? What do we usually think of when we say, in the common imagination, what do we, what comes to mind when we talk about heaven? Come now. What is it? Clouds. Angels. TV timeout. Let me say a word about angels. Do you guys think they look nice or horrifying? Just read your Bible. And notice how people respond when angels show up. They usually respond in the same way that Jeff will when I beat him in Catan on Thursday. They're going to throw up, fall on the ground, and go, oh. Right? Just, just read your Bible. Look at how people respond when angels show up. They're horrifying. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, so, so angels, what else? What other images come to mind when we talk about heaven? Pearly gates, right? Which is weird, right? Pearl? You can get pearl anywhere. All right, let's keep going. Golden Roads, yeah. What else? Paradise. Paradise. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so why do you think that? Who's telling you this? And I, I'm, just, I'm just pushing on it a little bit. I want to encourage you to not form your idea of the life after death by reading popular crap fiction, nonsense books that are designed to just appeal to your uh, 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 curiosity. Like, listen, don't develop your theology by a book they sell in the airport. (laughs) Okay? Fifteen minutes in heaven, this, right? Neurologist goes to heaven and tells you what's up. I just want to tell you, like, trust Jesus, more than someone who says that they've experienced five minutes in heaven or whatever. By the way, seven minutes in heaven is not a thing that I would recommend exploring or Googling. It's different than the 15 minutes in heaven book. Just want to tell you that. Okay. Look to the scriptures. Look to Jesus to form your idea of what happens after we die. Is that fair? Because there's hope there. There's no hope in in the... I mean, B-rated movies? Come now. Why are we forming our theology around? All right, let's keep going. It's been a couple weeks since I've preached. I got to just, I got to get it. Okay, let's keep going. All right, let's keep going. Here we go. Will you go to heaven when you die? Okay, take a look at this. Revelation 21, 1 through 3. I want to ask you this question. Does the Bible say that you're going to heaven or that heaven's coming to you? Then I saw, this is the end of your Bible, Revelation 21. I love Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. TV time out. If you surf, don't worry. Sea is just a metaphor or an image, in my opinion. I'd like to argue that it's a metaphor or an image of death. Right? The chaos waters, the sea. Okay? So death is no more. I also saw the holy city the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. You guys ever seen a wedding before? Right? Imagine the bride coming towards the groom. You see it? Okay? So, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Notice this. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. TV time out. Have you guys ever heard of Eden? Do you remember how God created the paradise of delight to dwell with humanity? Do you remember that? And then we rebelled, and then it created this rift, but then Jesus bridged the divide. And then one day, Jesus promises that those two spheres, earth and heaven, will one day be reunited. And then in Revelation 21, guess what the author is telling you? As the author looks into the future, he says this, Behold, God's dwelling is with whom? Are you going to heaven or is heaven coming to you? All right, let's keep going. And he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. The ultimate hope is the resurrection and the dwelling with God of God with his people. Not harps and clouds. N.T. Wright says this. He's a British uh, theologian. Because he's British, he sounds so smart. Oh, my goodness. He says this: Jesus' resurrection is the be- listen. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Not to snatch people away from Earth to Heaven, but to colonize Earth with the life of Heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. Have you guys ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in Heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for eternity when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Jesus continually weaves these things together. And so we ask the question, okay, so will I go to heaven when I die? But I, I want to reframe that and say maybe the Bible isn't answering that question. Maybe it's simply saying heaven's coming to you, friend. All right, let's keep going. Oh, um, this is weird. Uh, do you know how weird it is to be disembodied? Like, have that, has that happened to you? I must say that the more that I've meditated on and thought about the, the disembodied state, the more I just, I'm not finding much peace. Like, think about it. We've created, um, like, think on this. We, we, we use language like ghosts or specter or, at, what is the other one? Is apparition one? Are those nice words? Or are they scary? The disembodied state, at least in our common experience, seems to be absolutely horrifying. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally bringing us to this space. We're all shifting in our seats, uncomfortable, right? But the promise that Jesus gives to us is not that we go to heaven when we die, it's that heaven, that we're resurrected just like re- Jesus is resurrected, and that he. Restores Eden again. Uh, do you guys like food? Uh, do you guys like uh, the outdoors? Do you like music? Art? Do you see that we will experience those things in the eternal state in their pure form? We, we don't have to what I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in here. Now, this is my opinion. I'm gonna give you my opinion, but I think I'm right. especially in the Older Testament, when the biblical authors will talk about the eternal state, they'll use language like this, that we will feast on the choicest meats and the finest wines. Are they using metaphor, or do they actually think that we're actually going to live forever with God, dwelling with God in a paradise of delights, enjoying his good gifts forever? I, I would argue, I think that in their understanding, They think it's actual, like, taste. That we're actually going to taste. That we'll actually enjoy the sound waves as they come into our eardrums. The reason I want to say this is the disembodied state is horrifying. But the things that we delight in now, do you not see that they're good gifts from God that won't be destroyed in the end? They'll just be restored? So that favorite album that you have, what would it be like to enjoy that in a restored state? I would actually encourage you to just spend the next five years asking yourself this question. What are God's good gifts that bring me delight? And what would it be like to delight in him through them for eternity? And then read your Bible a hundred times and see how it talks about what comes after the death. All right, let's keep going. You guys uncomfortable yet? Great, let's keep going. Will you go to heaven when you die? Okay, so what happens when you die? Okay, 1 Corinthians six fourteen. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. I just, this is the resounding theme. This is the resounding theme in Scripture. That just as Jesus was raised. You guys heard of Easter before? Just as, e- just as Easter proclaims the resurrection of Jesus, so too it proclaims our future resurrection. Just as Christ was raised, so too we will be raised. Bodily. Are you guys seeing this? Okay, so again, when I die, what happens when I die? Okay, I, I just want to, I'm going to lean in, I'm going to read a bunch of scripture to you, and then, uh, and then we're going to take communion. Notice the promises of scripture. Notice that there's a hope, not in going to heaven when you die, but in what? What's the word? It starts with R ends in resurrection. <laughs> the hope is in the resurrection. And just as sure, this was, this, was Jesus, this was Jesus teaching to us, just as sure as I rose, so too you will rise. All right, let's keep going. This, I think, is the most important part because we get to taste heaven now. So I'm going to, everybody, everybody's very uncomfortable with everything we just said. Totally cool. Love that. By the way, being uncomfortable is part of spiritual growth, so get used to it. But do you think Jesus' disciples were comfortable? Come now. All right. What is the story of the cosmos? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And we're reminding ourselves that the promise of Scripture, the promise of Jesus, is that we will see creation restored. Humanity dwelling with their creator in a restored cosmos. And so, will you go to heaven when you die? I just want you to, I want to lean in here. I, I think that this question, will you go to heaven when you die? I don't like this question, because it focuses, the emphasis is in the wrong space. I, I'd like to prove it to you. When, do you need Jesus to go to heaven when you die? In the, in the, just hold on. In the modern mind, if you were to ask your neighbors, do you need, you know, if you were to die tonight, this is, don't do this, but if you were to go and ask your neighbor, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? What are they going to say? Heaven. So they have a Metallica t-shirt. Hell. And they're going to say heaven. And, and you push. Okay, why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a... I'm a good person. Do you need Jesus to go to heaven when you die? Notice, notice, notice the question. Will I, who's the focus on, me, go to where? Go, notice the language, go, right? We're using spatial language. Will I go to heaven when what? When I, what do you think my main concern is? I don't want to go where? Hell. So what do I want? Heaven. And what's heaven like? It's wonderful. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no evil. There's no country music. You just live free and happy. And everything you want, you get. And all the people that you love, they'll be there to greet you. And you just, and you give them, and you just live happy ever after. Have I mentioned Jesus once in that? Do you need Jesus to go to heaven? It is the question longing for a place or a person. All right, let's do this. You guys ever traveled before and used the word homesick? Are you longing for your house? Or are you longing for the people with whom you have built a home? Oh, uh, here's another great example. Have you guys ever gone back to an old house and there's strangers living there? Do you feel comfortable and at peace? It feels very strange, right? What you're longing for with homesickness is what? It's not the house. It's the people with whom you long to dwell. Hmm? When you say, I'm homesick, you're not saying, I miss my wallpaper. I miss my light fixture, my light fixture. Oh, my gosh. If Chip and Joanna Gaines have taught us anything, it's that you people are not satisfied with your homes. Repent and believe the gospel. Shiplap is of the devil, right? Move the letters around. Shiplap, Satan, it's all there. Just look it up. When I say I'm homesick, am I saying I wish I could go back to my address or am I saying I want to be with the people with whom I love? Okay. Go to heaven when I die. If it's unchecked, if it's unchecked, go to heaven when I die is focusing on going back to a house, not going back to a home. Because when I say I'm homesick, what I actually mean is not my house, but I mean the people with whom I long to dwell. And I want you to see that that is the very promise of Scripture. You see, the question is not, will I go to heaven when I die? The question is, when my heart stops, with whom will I be with? I'm going to prove it to you. Here we go. Luke 23, 38-43. through 43, And this is Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus is being crucified. And on his left and his right, there are two insurrectionists. And this is what happens. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Can't you save yourself and us? But the other answered, the other insurrectionist answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, notice this. Who's, who's this person speaking? What's it, what, he's been crucified? He's a what? He's an insurrectionist. Likely did murder. Okay? Is he rightfully being crucified? Probably. probably I'm gonna say probably. At least he thinks so. He self attests to the fact that he deserves to be there. And here's this insurrectionist. Do you know how well he did on his theology exam? About as well as I did in most of my seminary classes. Okay. This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, time out. You guys ever heard of Eden? Do you know another way to translate Garden of Eden is paradise of delight? In fact, one of the things that we notice in the text is especially as you go from Hebrew to Greek, so Old Testament to New Testament, the language of Eden stops being used and the language of paradise starts showing up. Jesus says to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me where? Today you will be with what? Today you will be with me where? In Eden. That's strange. Do you know why Eden was set up the way that it was? It was designed by God so that he could dwell with his people. Do you see it? Notice he doesn't say, Pay no mind, insurrectionist, for you will go to heaven when you die. He says you'll be where? With me. uh, Excuse me. There are multiple scriptures that speak to this. I'm just going to do a few. 2 Corinthians 5.8. To be absent from the body is to go to heaven when you die. Is that what you think it says? It does not. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Philippians 1, 21 through 24. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going on living in this body, it will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire, listen to what he's talking about here. He's talking about looking at the end of his life. And he says, I desire to depart from you and to be with Jesus, which is better by far, but it's necessary that I remain here in my body. The Apostle Paul says this. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present, not where, but what? With whom, right? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Jesus says to the insurrectionists on the cross, today you will be with me. John 14, one through four. If you've ever been to a funeral, you've heard this one before. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says to his followers. All right, time out. We're gonna take communion in a minute. Everybody take a big deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. What is your ultimate hope? What is your ultimate hope in life and in death? With whom do you long to be with most in life and in death? And in the life after death? What is the greatest desire and longing of your heart? Is it merely go to heaven when I die or is it be with Jesus? And Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus is we get to be with him now. Listen to what Jesus says to his fear-filled disciples in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you, listen, I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. When Jesus speaks words of peace to his fear-filled disciples, does he say, don't worry, you're doing enough good so you can go to heaven when you die? Or does he say, where I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you so that where I am, you will be also, so you can be with me. Jesus longs for a relationship with you now, and as we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus, we enter into an eternal relationship. And so on your last day, when you draw your last breath, let not the question, am I going to heaven when I die, cross your mind. Rather ask, who will I be with? And know this for certain. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He knows you more deeply than you know your own self. He calls you to him. And do you know who gets Jesus? Anybody who wants Jesus. Do you know who Jesus says yes to? Anyone who wants Jesus. How uh, high of a score did the insurrectionist on the cross get on his theology exam? Jesus says yes to everyone who wants Jesus. Would you say yes to him today? And if you've said yes yes to Jesus, know this. You will be with him forever. And I don't know what that's like in the disembodied state, but I know this. Jesus is so good. And I know that being in his presence brings peace, life, and life abundant. And so our hope is not in some sort of ambiguous, cloudy wing thingy. Our hope is not in our spatial location. Our hope is in Jesus. And he promises to be with us for eternity. And so I'm going to ask the band to come out, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take communion. If you would please, uh, in the back of the seat in front of you, there should be uh, communion elements for those who are joining us online, if you would please grab whatever elements you have available to you to represent the body and the blood of Jesus. I'm going to ask that you would please open the top, hold the bread in one hand, and then open uh, the second piece. Just hold them there. And as you hold on to those elements, I want to encourage you to quiet your heart and your mind. We're just going to spend a moment in quiet reflection, self examination. I'm going to ask that before we take communion together, that you would just spend this moment asking yourself this question What is my ultimate hope?